Our scripture reading this morning is coming from Psalm 80. Psalm 80, looking at verses 18 and 19. Here the Bible says, Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Our lesson this morning is simply called Revive and Restore. And I picked this picture of this automobile. That's not mine. Uh, it'd be kind of neat if it was, but it wasn't. But when I was a kid, probably middle school, maybe junior high, my oldest brother bought an old pickup that him and my father would restore to a certain degree, not fully. But they bought an old 71 pickup. And I can remember being... Uh, that age, watching them go through that process of putting in the new transmission, the rebuilt engine, going through and sending all those things down and, and getting it ready to, to paint and those types of things. They got it to the point of a primer and, of course, it drove and those types of things. but never got actually completely all the way done, much like the photo you have there on the screen. When we talk about reviving and restoring spiritually, we're talking about uh, two things that each individual will require in their life at some point. When I talk about revive, as we're going to be talking about this morning for the Christian, I'm not talking about a person who is in sin. I'm talking about simply a person who needs encouragement. When we talk about restore, we will be talking about sin. Think about for a moment how many times you've, you've found yourself just down or discouraged. We talk about a lot of times anymore, we talk about the media and the various things that go on in our world. It can be very discouraging. And so we need to be revived, we need to be encouraged. And so I want to begin by defining a, this revival and this restoration that we're going to be talking about. To restore, if you towards you look it up, as we'll again put up our one of our first two texts this morning about reviving. Uh, reviving... In Psalm 80, in verse 18, is the idea to uh, to uh, restore to restore uh, life or consciousness from Strong's. The idea is to remain alive, and so spiritually speaking, we mean to stir up or ignite a fire within the Christian who is weary. Again, we're not talking about someone who is in sin or who has committed sin and needs repentance. We're talking about someone who's just we see things going around us, and it wears us out to think about it. And no doubt, that's very easy to do today, right? We go to the gas pump, and it can be very discouraging. We go to the grocery store, and we see the prices we're paying. It's very discouraging. I watched a man, I told Lisa the other day, he walked out of the store, and he had bags of candy for Halloween, which I, too, like Doyle. Uh, but we, he had bags of candy for Halloween. And I watched him as he was leaving. He looked at his receipt, and he stopped. And he walks a bit further and he stopped because he was having some grief, I think, over the sticker price of all those things he just bought just for, or the price he just paid just for candy. So there are a lot of things in our lives, simple or more deep, or more much deeper than that, that can cause us to become discouraged. Not sin, but things that can make us worry and think, when, is, when are things ever going to improve? And so we need that revive to be revived. We need that revival. And that's what we're talking about. When I say revive or revival, uh, using that term this morning. But also there's, there's another that needs, needs to be discussed, and that is to restore or restoration. In Psalm 80, 
In verse 19, the Bible says, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we, we shall be saved. You know, it's impossible to restore something that has never been lost. You think about that. It's impossible to restore something else that has already been restored, right? It means you have to tear it all down again to the process all over. So that's not what we're talking about. He says, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. And I love that phrase, cause your face to shine. Because it sounds as if he's saying that your life, that, that we want God to be the biggest presence in our life. That he is the most important aspect of our life each and every day. Cause your face, he says here, to shine. And what happens is he says in verse 19, when he is restored and God, his face is, is shining in his life again, he says, and we shall be saved. We shall be saved. We think about this idea, the act of returning something to a former owner, a state or condition. That's what we mean by restoration or to restore. Again, spiritually speaking, it means to, rest to restore means for a person to restore the relationship with God that has eroded due to sin. You know, we think about sin, and this is not a complicated concept, but you know, sin will keep us away from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 tells us that. And we think about here, here in, in Psalm 80, he's wanting that restoration because sin has caused what? Has caused God's face obviously not to shine. That's why he's asking for God's face to shine there in verse 19. When is revival and restoration needed? <clears throat> you know, we were looking at various used cars over the last couple of weeks and there were some that I really wanted that of course you can't afford everything that you always want right and there are some things that had been restored and you look at them and boy they're really really nice in fact I enjoy more when I see the restored cars driving down the road than I do the new ones and sometimes you drive through Claremore uh, you'll see little groups together together to have the all these antique cars that have been restored and I think I'm not alone when I say that catches your eye doesn't it we want that. We want that re restoration. We want to. We want to see that. See the beauty that's in that. But when is revival and restoration needed? Let's begin with revival. Revival of those who have grown weak. Again, not those who are in sin, but those who are simply have grown weak because we see things going on around us. We have daily struggles, and we have we, we have become wearied by them. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about those there in Galatia, how they're not to grow weary while doing good, for surely you shall reap if you do not lose heart. They weren't in sin, but they were encouraged to do what? To remain strong. And he was trying to encourage them, to revive them. Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 28, he says, he says here, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? So he identifies very clearly who we're talking about. He says, Neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable. His wisdom is far beyond ours, right? He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall fail, be weary, and the young man shall utterly, fail, utterly fall. So He points out in verse 30 that anyone can grow weak at various points in their life. He mentions even the young, how they shall faint and be weary, how the, the young men shall utterly fall. Look at verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
That person who has their faith in God, that obedient person who has their faith in God, they can find that renewal, that encouragement from God. He says here in verse 31, They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because God renews them. He revives them. According to what we find here, what are we reading? His Word. So it's by His Word that we are revived. That we are encouraged. And again, I go back to verse 28. Think about our Creator, the everlasting God, He says. The Creator of the end of the earth. He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God never grows tired. God never grows weary. God, His wisdom is beyond our, even our comprehension there in verse 28. And it is Him who gives the Christian what? He says in verse 29, here's talking to those who are followers of God. This applies to us still today. He gives power to the weak, to those who have no might. He increases strength. Verse 31, But those who wait on the Lord, He shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we find ourselves struggling because of the various things going on in our lives around us today, God's Word is the source of us to be revived. It is the source for us to be revived, to be encouraged. God has always strengthened the weak, and He will continue to do so. He always will strengthen those who belong to Him. We notice if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want you to notice these words. We find the words exhort, which means encourage, warn, comfort, uphold, and patience, all in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14. He says, now we exhort, which means to build you up, the idea there of encourage. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly as those who have sinned. Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. You could say comfort the faint-hearted and uphold the weak could be a reference to what we're talking about when we're talking about being revived. Because the faint-hearted is those who struggle because of the world around them. The weak are those who are trying to remain strong in a world full of temptations. God comforts, tells us to comfort the faint-hearted and tells us to uphold the weak. Because just as we saw there in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, God does it, and we should do the same. To encourage one another in this world around us. Not to be discouraged, remembering that God is always in control. We also have to talk about what it means to be restored. You know, David was restored. He had to be restored. you think about that? He was a man, he's also referred to as a man after God's own heart, but he was not a sinlessly perfect man. We know that. The Bible tells us that numerous times of his faults. And David many times talks about there in the Psalms how he laid out his faults before the Lord, how he buried them all. David, as we know from 2 Samuel chapter 12, we know what happens there. That's where Nathan comes and tells David about how he was in sin because of the act he had committed with Bathsheba and the things he had caused to transpire with Uriah, her husband. And in chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, we are told that David was in error for his sin. In order to restore his place before God, he had to repent. Look at 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now notice this, and Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin, you shall not die. What does that mean in verse 13? What would happen if David had not 
Well, let's about for a second. What condition was he in in verse thir- until verse 13? What condition was he in? Not in the right one with God. Because until his confession, which we know also would have to include repentance, we find in verse 13, what does he say? The Lord also will put away your sin, you shall not die. Which means until he did that, God was going to do what? He was perfectly capable, willing to do what? Cause him to die. And a man who dies in sin does not die with God. Does not go with God. We find in verse 13, he says what? He corrects it by saying, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has also put away your sin, you shall not die. Did David repent? Yes. Forgiveness does not come without repentance, and he was not forgiven until he did repent. David's soul was in danger until he repented. Thus Nathan came to him with a bold warning when he told him, You are the man. Right? You think about David's actions. You know, he was a man who was tremendous in a lot of ways, but he also was tremendous when he sinned. He'd sinned pretty boldly, numbering the people, Bathsheba, Uriah. Different times throughout his life, he admits he has done wrong. And each time we find that he he did make those things right with God because his soul was in danger until he repented. That's why Nathan came to him. His soul wasn't in danger. Why would you bother sending Nathan to him? Think about this, some lessons for us today. How is one revived today? Well, first we have to realize that we need to be revived. Sometimes we get in the habit when someone asks us, how are you doing? We just always say, well, I'm, I'm okay. When in reality, we're depressed. We're concerned about our loved ones. We're concerned about our own health, the health of someone else. We have financial burdens. And we don't have to, every time someone asks us, how are you doing, unload on that person. We can't say, you know what, there's just been a lot going on. If you wouldn't mind praying for me, I'd appreciate it. There's a lot of things that have been worrying me and causing concern. You know, that's not unbiblical. But sometimes it seems that we feel like it is because we don't want to say those words. We think it's a sign of weakness. You know, I think everyone in this room understands that every day is not sunshine and rainbows, is it? Every day brings on different concerns and worries. And sometimes we need to be bold enough to ask others to pray for us. So we need to realize that we need to be revived. By obeying God's word, thereby being encouraged, we, we, we can be encouraged and revived by it. If you go to Psalm 119, beginning in verse 26, he says, I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So, so shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. He mentions numerous times there in just those few verses how he finds revival, encouragement from God's word. Not some mystical God, not from God speaking to him in some still quiet voice, but he's all about God's precepts. Teach me. He talks about his precepts there in verse 27. He talks about his wonderful works in verse 27. Strengthen me according to your word, verse 28. All things related to the word of God. But notice how he begins that in verse 26. I have declared my ways, and you answered me. It means he laid it all out before God. This is what I'm worried about. This is what has me down. He answered him, he says in verse 26. He says, teach me your statutes, verse 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts. He wants to understand God's way, not his way, but 
God's way. Look at verse 36 and 37 of the same psalm. He says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Revive me in your way. This should remind us that the best place for encouragement is in God's word. Make no mistake, sometimes when days are going bad, or we have various things are going on that are just discouraging us, sometimes don't you need someone just to tell you a silly, funny joke just to take your mind off things? Nothing wrong with that. But the ultimate source of comfort and encouragement is going to be from God's Word. God's Word reminds us that this life is not all there is to be. The things will not always be in the shape that they're currently in now, even though it may seem that way. The things will change in time, that we must be those who hold the course and hold to God's Word. Again, he tells us in verse 37, turn, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. I mean, don't turn to things that aren't going to help you. But instead do what? Revive me in your way. Let me be revived and encouraged by God's way, by God's word, knowing the Lord is always there for us, should encourage us and make us strong enough to get through each and every day, no matter what that day may hold. And our second point as we talk about being revived and restored. How is one restored to God? Well, it involves confession of sins. We refer to these steps as the second law of pardon. James 5 and verse 16 tells us, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective perfect prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's actually two things mentioned there. Confess your trespasses being one and in prayer, right? 1 John 1 and verse 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess. There is no boldness. There is no light. There is only arrogance in sin. There is no godliness in sin. We must confess those things. Repentance, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. As we saw again also there in 1 John 1 verse 9. But we notice here in 1 John 2, he says, My little children, these things are right to you, that you may not sin. Meaning what? We are not to be those who sin. But because we're imperfect people, we're going to sin. Thus God made a way for the Christian to come back to him. Look at verse 1 again. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So when we do sin, we go to, to God the Father through Christ confessing those things, repenting of those things. There in verse 2 he says, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So when we do sin, what do we do? We confess those things to God. We confess those things to God. We go back, what do we do? We pray. James 5 verse 16, which you've already mentioned. Pray for one another that you may be healed. That is a reference to that repentance, that forgiveness healed of our sins. We confess those things, we repent of those things. God has forgiven us. 1 John 1 and verse 9. So as we close this morning, we ask, we think about these things, we have to, have to ask ourselves some questions sometimes. Do we need to be revived? Do we need to be restored? Is there a sin in our life we need to rid, we need to rid out of it? Rid those things from our lives. We can be revived in spirit by returning to God's Word and allowing it to do one of the things it does best, and that is encourage us. It does encourage us. You know, it's interesting to look at the Psalms and how many times David cries out to God in various distresses. 
not because he's in sin, but sometimes his enemies were, were just seeking his life. He's running many times from his life, sometimes because of Saul. But what was he talking about so many times? Was he just playing out to God? He mentions God's word numerous times in his pleas to God. He talks about how he meditates upon God's word day and night. I was a light to his a lamp to his feet and a light to his path, right? God's word was what encouraged him. We can be restored when we follow the biblical pattern for forgiveness. Revive, restore. Because, friends, heaven is that important to us. We want to be revived so we don't become discouraged. And when we fall short, we want to make sure we follow God's law. That we confess, we repent, and we pray to God. When we do those things, heaven will indeed be ours. We go back to Psalm 80 as we close this morning. And this won't be on the screen, but Psalm 80. Going back to our key text, verses 18 and 19. He says, so we will not go... So, so we so will not we go back from thee, quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. With God there is encouragement. With God there is salvation. Let us be those, and when we need revival, we need restoration, that we go to the proper source. And when we need restoration, we go follow the, the proper plan laid out by God. So we have nothing between us and God. We have nothing between us and heaven. This morning, as you think about these things, we can help you encourage you in any way. We would like to do so. That's going to be saying, sing the song that's been selected. Sinners.